Welcome. I'm glad that you are here. If you're watching online, welcome. I, I had the privilege of watching online last week. I think uh, Pastor Sam did an amazing job. So, yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I was there with my grandchildren, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. A uh, couple of things before we get going. Uh, you need to remember Ted and Vanessa. Ted is in the hospital. He's having some issues with his back and a lot of pain. So if, um, if you have time today, would you remember Ted and Vanessa? And, and I, I pray, we pray for Ted because we want the Lord to heal his back. We pray for Vanessa because we know that men are very poor patients. So, so we're going to pray for both of them, that the Lord would bless them. Man, we have a lot of good things coming up before we get started. Uh, Sam had mentioned that this Friday is Christmas in the courtyard. Always a great time. Next Sunday, we have a great service. You do not want to miss next Sunday because uh, Pastor Burt Wilkins is going to be sharing with us. We're going to have a, a conversation, and you get to join in. Uh, Pastor Bert is an, an amazing man. Amen? Let me say that again. Pastor Bert is an amazing man. Amen. Yes. I love him. He's my pastor, and, uh, and I love him. Um, and then and we're going to talk about next week. Today we're, we're going to talk about uh, freedom of speech. We've already talked about uh, freedom from fear and, and uh, freedom from want. Today we want to talk about freedom of speech. And next week we're going to talk about freedom of worship with Pastor. So it's going to be an amazing time. Then after that, on the 17th, we get to have the family, uh, the family service. And it's always an amazing time. And yes, I'm going to be prophetic and say it's going to snow it's going to be amazing. God is always good to us in that, in that area. And then on the 24th, we will have a, a, our traditional Christmas Eve service, but at 10 o'clock. So it's going to be a great time. So this, this month is going to be power-packed. And somewhere in there, somewhere in there, we're going to fit Jen and Chetty Campbell, that they will be with us starting in December. Can you, can you believe it? Man, a lot of great things going on, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, but today I want to talk to you about the power of speech, and in particular, the power of God's spoken words. Now, I know that all of us, we have ways that we express ourselves. Do you know that body language is about 90%? Of, of a person's speech. Have you ever been talking to somebody and then they do this? It's like you're not going to get anything across to them from that point on. Uh, it, it's amazing. But, but we have ways of communicating, whether it's verbal or, or written or, or body language, and it's powerful. That... that even body language, I, I know that all of us at, at some point, maybe you remember when you were uh, a child and you were acting up in, in church and then your mother glanced over at you and gave you the death stare. 
You, you remember those times when you realized I have crossed the line and she can't get to me now, but she will later? I might as well write out my last will and testament. So it, it's, it's powerful communication, verbal, written, body language. Proverbs 18.21 tells us this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words can build up people. Our words can destroy people. We used to use that saying, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so wrong. There has been more nations destroyed by words than by anything else. More families more husbands, more wives, more children devastated, more friendships split because of words. We have this amazing ability to communicate with one another. And yet, with it comes a great responsibility to either build up or tear down. Our speech is one of the most powerful and effective tools that we have. Isn't it amazing that in the book of James, he, he says that, that we put bridles in people's, in, in a horse's mouth to, to steer them and control them, or a ship has, no matter how great that ship is, it has a little rudder that controls it. And he said, and yet the tongue, which is so small compared to the rest of your body, has this devastating power. Your tongue. What we say, what we speak. He goes on to say, we praise God and we, and we condemn men. And fresh water and salt water cannot come out of the same fountain. What, what James is trying to communicate to us is... There is a power that has been given to us, and it's the power of speech. Your words can lift up and encourage. Your words can hurt and destroy. Your words. You know, God speaks as well in a variety of different ways. God, the scripture says that God speaks through nature. Don't you love to, to, to walk and, and to look at the sky and, and to look at the birds and to hear them and, and to see everything that God has created and you realize how big he really is? If, if you really look at nature, we get so trapped in man-made buildings and, and and, and we look at, at screens, the TV, and, and, and our phone, and everything else, and we become so focused here that we forget to look here. But when we look out here at nature, we see how great God really is. David said it this way, when I look at the stars, the moon, and all that you've created, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? How great is God that he not only spoke everything into existence by his word, 
but he holds it in motion. Isn't that incredible? And we serve this God. And that same God that has created everything, the Bible says he knows the number of hair on your head. He knows more about you than you know yourself. And he invites us into a relationship with him. It's, it's amazing. Nature speaks. God speaks to us through his word, his inerrant word. The word of God is so precious that, it's, that we have it and, and we read it and, and it is life. It speaks life. It speaks hope. It speaks encouragement. It speaks to the very soul of humanity, not to the, to the secondary things of life or the tertiary things of life, but the very primary source of life, your soul, your eternal being, that the word of God speaks life to you, that gives you direction, gives you purpose. God speaks to us through his spirit. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you? Have you ever had the, that little voice kind of whisper to you? The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. There's a, there's a way that God will speak to you, and it's going to be in a way that you understand, that you comprehend, that you know that it's the voice of God. Again, the psalmist said, as the deer longeth for the brook, so my soul longs for you. It's deep calling to deep. And it's the spirit of God that he has given us that helps us relate and communicate and connect with Almighty God. Have you ever had God speak to you through circumstances? God will speak to us. My father-in-law helped me understand. He said, just God uses people, and God uses finance, and God uses circumstance to speak to us. I, I, I love the story of the, of the man that, that was waiting. God told him he was going to save him from the flood. Everybody's heard that one. And so God sends him a truck, sends him a boat, sends him a helicopter, and then each time he says, don't worry about it. God said he was going to take care of me. So the waters rise, the guy, the guy drowns and goes to heaven. And he says, God, you said that you were going to take care of me. And he says, I did. I sent you a boat, and I sent you a truck, and I sent you a helicopter. Isn't that amazing? But God speaks to us through our circumstances. Sometimes circumstances can be so difficult and challenging that you have to look and see where God is at. He will direct you. Sometimes God speaks to us through prayer. While you're in prayer, not just talking to him, but he begins to speak to you. But in all of these situations, whether it's through nature, or through the spirit, through the circumstances, or while you're in prayer, they always align with the written word of God. But here's something that I, I want to focus on today. What God speaks always comes to pass. 
Can you imagine having that much power? That whatever you say will come to pass. I have said things in my life that I'm so thankful to the Lord they did not come to pass. And I'm sure you have too. But when God speaks, things happen. Isaiah 55, this is 750 years before Christ. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55, 11. So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, if God says it, it's going to happen. You can't change it. You can't alter it. You can't talk God out of it. If God has said something, it's going to happen. Christ's birth was foretold some thousand years before he was ever on this earth. And there was... There was not enough power in hell. There was not enough influence of man to stop what Christ was going to accomplish because God spoke it and it happened. What's happening in our world today when we look at the Middle East and we see nations rising against nations and you see even in our own nation you see turmoil and conflict it's been prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and it's been prophesied in, in the book of Revelation that nations will rise against Israel and, and they will be defeated. It's going to happen. And you say, well, Israel must be perfect. And, they say, and here's, where, here's where humanity messes up. Just because God says something doesn't mean that he is saying this person's right and that person's wrong. He's just saying this is what is going to happen and you're not going to stop it and you're not going to change it and you're not going to alter it. If God has said it, it's going to come to pass. It's not a matter of who's right and who's wrong. It's a matter of what God has said and when God speaks it, it's going to happen. When God prophesied and spoke and said, uh, in the garden that he would that the seed of the woman would would bruise the heel of the serpent he was speaking of Christ and Christ came and Christ defeated death and Christ rose from the grave he he fulfilled everything that the word of God said he would do and it is under it's important to understand that God's word never never fails if, if he promised Christ would come, Christ came. If he promised Christ would redeem us from our sins, Christ redeemed us from our sins. And my friends, I'm here to tell you today, when the Bible tells us that Christ shall return and the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up into the air to meet the Lord in the air, it's going to happen. The church is triumphant. The church is victorious. And there's not enough devils in hell to stop it. You are on the right side because God said, this is the side I have chosen. And you have surrendered your life to him. And because he won, you win. 
Because he's coming back, we get to rule and reign with him. And you say, well, I don't feel I'm sufficient enough. I don't feel I'm good enough. I don't think I'm powerful enough. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Let me say that again. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. If he said you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Let me say that again. If Christ says you are forgiven, you're forgiven. When the woman that was caught in adultery, he said, where's your accusers? And he says, There's no, they're, they're not here. And he says, I'm not going to condemn you either. Just go and sin no more. It's important to understand what the Scripture says what, about God, what God has spoken to us is irrefutable. It, it will not change. It's unalterable. It's going to happen. The real issue is, are we going to align with what God has said? The world and the church, you can be in the church and not align with what God is saying. It's important. Now, I, I want to look to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. And, and some of it's on the handout I gave you, but here, if you have a Bible in front of you, if you want to turn there, it's a powerful, powerful story of the Word of God. And there's some truths in here that I think that we can, that we can apply to our own life. And we could actually stay on this topic for weeks but I'm going to try to do the Reader's Digest version, and we're going to condense it all into one. But here, here's the background. Samaria, which is the northern ten tribes, are under siege by the Syrians. Ben-Hadad ha has come, and he's surrounded Samaria and, and, and the city. Nobody can come in. Nobody can go out. He's starving them to death. There's no produce coming in. There's no produce coming out. And the prophet Elisha is in the city. Syria hates Elisha because Elisha confounded them so many times. He was a powerful man of God. But they're in the city. The siege has been going on for quite some time. Things are desperate. People are resorting to eating things you would never even consider eating. Cow's heads. In fact, it gets so bad that the king is walking through the streets with, with his entourage and this lady approaches him and says, you've got to help me. And he said, why? And he said, because me and my neighbor said that what we, had, we have two little babies and... and we, just, we decided that we would boil one and then we would eat it and then we would boil the other one later. And we boiled my baby, but she doesn't want to give up hers. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the 
desperation that's in this city. The desperation. I, you know, sometimes you think about what people resort to to survive because the, the power, the instinct of survival is so overwhelming in our lives. And you think, we would never do that. And yet, the king is so grieved that he rends his clothes, and you see that he's wearing sackcloth and ashes under it. And, and it is so desperate in the city. And the Bible tells us in 2 Kings 6, uh, 33, he says, and the king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king looks and says, all of my circumstances, in all of this, it's God's fault. Isn't it amazing that when we get into situations, difficult times, that we want to blame God? But you can't. Did God allow the circumstance? Yes. But what was the real motive? Scripture doesn't tell us other than Syria hated Samaria. The Bible doesn't go into detail of, of everybody's thoughts and emotions. It just tells us what is. That it's a desperate time that the king has reached the end of his rope. He cannot take it anymore. And he snaps and begins to blame God. And he goes on to say, I am going to not only blame God, but I am going to kill his messenger, Elisha. And sends a, an assassin to take Elisha's life. I want to tell you that, that blaming others or blaming something else for our circumstances has been around since Adam and Eve. For Eve took the fruit, gave it to Adam, and Adam ate freely and willingly. And yet when God asked them, Adam said it was her fault. It's human nature to, to blame something else and to look elsewhere. And yet, in the middle of this dire circumstance, in the middle of all of this turmoil, look at 2 Kings 7, 1. God speaks in the middle of this, of this turmoil, in the middle of this suffering, in the middle of this pain. God speaks, and he says, And Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. There's a powerful four-letter word there. Hear. Hear it. Not just let it be an auditory sound, but listen to what God is saying. He said, this is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow... A seah of flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He looks at the king and he looks at the people in Samaria and says, this time tomorrow, I know you're giving 20 shekels for a, for a cow's head, but I'm going to tell you just for one shekel, you're going to be able to buy a lot. Have you been to the grocery store lately? Need I say more? If I told you 
that this time tomorrow you'll be able to buy prime rib for 35 cents a pound. How many of you would rejoice and how many of you would think he has lost his mind? Here's Elisha. And times are so tough. And he says, this is what God is saying. Tomorrow, you're going to have more than you've ever had. And it's going to be so cheap, you won't believe it. You're going to be shopping at Publix and get Walmart prices. It's incredible. Isn't that amazing? God declares what will happen. But notice he says, hear the word of the Lord. God speaks. That's his responsibility. God said, this is going to happen. At that point, everybody that heard it had one of two choices. I'm going to believe it or I'm not going to believe it. God said it. I can believe it. I won't believe it. Now, wait a minute. Let's see what God is saying. We're in the most severe famine. We're hungry. People are resorting to cannibalism. It is unbelievable, the pain and the suffering and the torment that we're walking through. And everything is over the top nobody could afford anything because there's barely anything to buy and then God says this time tomorrow you're going to have more than you've ever had would you believe it we say we would because we know how the story ends don't we if you haven't take a minute and read through it you'll find out it ends great How many times have we been in situations, dark, difficult situations in our lives that, that God has worked and spoken and we didn't understand it? And look at verse 2 of chapter 7 because this is, this is powerful. This is powerful. And, and I'm trying to hurry through, but the Reader's Digest, every once in a while you have a slow reader, and that's me, okay? So... The officer on whose arm the king was leaning, that, that means the person that he was getting his counsel from, said to the man of God, the man of God just said, this time tomorrow, God's going to do amazing stuff. We're going to have more than you can ever imagine. And, and he said, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? What was he saying? He said, look, I know you just said God's going to do this tomorrow, but if God were to make it rain today, you're not going to have a crop by tomorrow. How is he thinking? Human reasoning. Well, I can only see it happening this way. Do you know why God puts us in difficult circumstances sometimes? to help us understand that he doesn't work within our parameters. He puts us in dire circumstances so we have the opportunity to believe him or not believing. And this man sat there and said, 
I can't see it. Can't see it. Sorry. Sorry, Elisha. Can't see it. I, I cannot see it because if God was to open up the windows of heaven and pour out rain, it's going to take weeks, a whole season before these crops would even come in. Isn't that incredible? The human reasoning, human reasoning always gets us to second guess God. Wasn't it the the serpent in the garden that said, did God really say it? Human reasoning is, is amazing, but God works in ways that we don't understand. God works in ways that are so incredible that it's humanly impossible for us to comprehend. How many times have you been in those situations? I, I, I told you about not having a car, and God gave me a $49 car. How did that happen? I don't know. How did I outrun 18-year-olds that wanted that car? I don't know, but God was good. God puts us in situations that we have an opportunity to trust him. So God's word always prevails. The next verse is, is, is powerful. He says, you're going to see it with your eyes but you will not eat any of it. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you ready for it? How many times have we missed God's blessings because it didn't happen the way we think it should? How many times have we second-guessed God and didn't think because we say God can do anything but when God acts, we look at it like, well, it didn't happen the way it should. I always, you know, it, the disciples were with Jesus once and they didn't have money for taxes. Yes, even Jesus paid taxes. Oh. Uh, and here's, here's the disciples and they said, Jesus, we don't have any money for taxes. We've got to pay taxes to even get in. And he said, go fishing. Now keep in mind, they're fishermen, right? So they know how to fish. So they go out to fish. But it wasn't the fish that they caught. It was the fish that they caught that what was inside the fish's mouth, which was a gold coin that they took and paid their taxes. How many times has God given us gold coins and we say, hmm, but it's not the way I think it should work. I want to challenge your thinking today. Let God be God and do what he is going to do. If God said it, we believe it, and that settles it. And he can work any way he wants to because God's word will always prevail. God's word is always going to come out on top. And what's so incredible is God always uses the most unlikely person or situation to provide. It's, it's the most amazing thing. In this story, while Elisha is talking to the king and while he's speaking to his advisor and while he's telling the word of God outside the gates of the city... 
are four leprous men. Leprosy was contagious. They could not go into the city or they would kill them. They could not be around other people. And they're sitting outside the city, not knowing what God has said. And this is what one of them says to the others. Why are we sitting here until we die? God, at the same time he's saying, tomorrow you're going to have everything you want. Today, four lepers, four people that are, that are outside of culture, outside of, of, of community. They're outside of it, and they're saying, why are we sitting here until we die? If we go in, they're going to kill us. If we go out to the Syrians, they're probably going to kill us too. But I tell you what, I'm just tired of sitting here. I'm either going to go in or go out. And they said, let's go out to the enemy. So they go out to the enemy thinking, they're going to kill us. Nothing is said about them hearing anything from God. God is using the most unlikely people to bring about his word. So here he is. They go, to the, go into the camp. There's no guards. They walk past. There's no people. Because God had created a sound that the Syrians thought that, that Samaria had, had paid for other armies to come in and take them, and they ran for their lives. And they left everything they had. They left their gold, they left their silver, they left their food, they left their clothing, they left everything there. And when the four lepers saw what had happened, they went back to the city after they had eaten and taken what they wanted they said you know what we're enjoying this we might as well let everybody else and then they went back to the city and they told the king he sent out a messenger and sure enough that's exactly what had happened and the word of God happened exactly the way he said he used the enemy to bless what was a thorn in their flesh was now their victor's cup isn't that incredible let me ask you what's holding you back what circumstance or situation do you find yourself in and you know what the word of God says stand on it stand on the word of God and allow God to show himself strong and quit looking at the ways that you can do it and look at the ways God can because God will perform the amazing every single time I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they would I held you over four minutes so they're going to pick up the tempo on the song we're going to sing it in a double beat. Would you stand with me, please? God is so good to us. In this Thanksgiving season, let's not only thank him for what he has done, but let's thank him for what he is doing. I don't know what circumstance you find yourself in, but I do know this. The Bible tells us, the word of God has said, God has spoken and said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let me say that again 
I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're walking through. I don't care what emotions you have. The Word of God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. If you're struggling with temptation, Scripture says there is no temptation given to man that, that God will not provide a way of escape. What does Scripture say? If God is for us, finish it. Who can be against us? I think it's time to, to look outside of the, the four walls of our own understanding and comprehension and begin to see God as God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that can do anything, any way he wants. And if God has said he's always going to be with you, he is going to be with you. If he said he's going to take care of you, he's going to take care of you. If he says he's going to deliver you, he is going to deliver you. Go to him. Hear from him. Understand what God is speaking into your life and stand upon the Word of God. Amen? May the Lord bless you.